And also with you. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O oh God, for the ministry that we have in this place to your young people and your children. We give you thanks for, the, for every one of them who come through these doors. We give you thanks for Katie and her leadership. Bless us as we learn more about how to be present, to be your presence to them, and show them how to be your presence in the world. Amen. Amen. Sure. Okay. All right, everyone. My name is Katie McGurvey. I think I know everybody. I am um, the director of children's ministries. And um, I will tell you, I'm a little bit nervous, not because I don't like public speaking, because actually I do, but because I am so jazzed about what we're doing here at St. Columbus and with kids. And I hope that you... I only had a week to prepare. Joshua asked me last Sunday, and I kind of ridiculously said yes. And I'm leaving today for two weeks, so that was a little bit of extra things to do. But mostly I am, I just want you to catch my vision and be inspired and excited as I am. And so I hope that I can do that with you and for you today. And um, even people who aren't actively parenting children might find it interesting. <laughs> Um, just jazzing some friends who are walking out the door. Um, so I would say in a nutshell, I am um, looking to help our kids find love and connection. I want them to know that they are loved by God just as they are, however they walk through the door, whatever state they're in, whatever state their parents are in, um, and to feel that love expressed through relationship within our community. And as Michelle Prince says, we want everyone here to feel, to know that they are named and known, and that is equally true in the children's ministry. So my first question for you, and we probably won't have everybody answer, but did, do you have a memory from your childhood of um, an adult or other people in church or in some other community that you were a part of? Was there an adult, maybe it was scouts or some, somewhere that there was somebody who knew you and um, you felt... You know, if it was at church, did you feel that God loved you because of that person? Does everyone have a, a story like that? Yeah, so I do too. Um, I was raised as an Episcopalian. Um, my grandfather was an Episcopal priest, and my mom was a very regular attender and kept me going. And for me, it was <clears throat> really my whole parish. Um, my parents were divorced when I was about six, and in 1970, that was really weird, and I felt like the biggest sore thumb, like in school. Which address did I put on the line? Because it was before they actually had two addresses, like one for your mom and one for your dad. Now they have plenty of places to put all the places down. But um, at church, everybody knew me, and everybody seemed to love me. They knew something about me, and... Um, wasn't necessarily about God, but as I grew up, I realized that that love just permeated my whole life. And so for me, that is really my faith, is in love and in sharing love and um, 
in being, in seeing God in everyone and the beauty of each individual's uniqueness. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, trying to distill down a vision, I would say that we, I would say that I hope that children know they are loved by God in this community, and they feel they are integral members of our parish. That their presence here on Sunday morning matters, um, and that they have a role here in many of the things that we that we do. Um, I look to St. Columbus being a place of intergenerational relationships, not just a multi-generational place. I'm wondering if you, do you know younger kids in the parish? If you don't, if you aren't actively par parenting right now, do you know someone who you're not related to by name? Elizabeth does because she's taught Sunday school. <laughs> and Charlotte does because she's in the, uh, she's a, chair of the Youth Council. I really am thinking about my programming going forward as to how can we help you all share in God's love by knowing our young people and um, not just having thriving programs for them, but having thriving programs for all of us to do together. Um, and then... I hope that all parents, godparents, grandparents, grown-ups feel comfortable talking about their faith with each other and with kids. The research shows that faith is transferred between generations primarily by parents and by close adults in sort of a parenting role. Um, and it's, it means that there's sort of three things that you you practice your faith regularly and you're a member of a community where you participate um, and that you're and that you practice your faith at home and that you talk to your kids about your faith and I know that a lot of people feel anxious about talking about their faith that they are concerned that they don't have all the answers and um, believe me you don't have to have the answers to talk to kids about faith you can look things up you can ask priests you can ask me you can just wonder you know one kid on the playground last summer asked me if God had a mother I don't know. I, what do you think? <laughs> well, he had some thoughts about it, and he was just five. So, you know, there's a lot to tease out there. So um, I hope that we can build up adults to feel comfortable in the um, less clear spaces and in the talking spaces. The researcher, his name is Christian Smith, and he's at Notre Dame. He is Catholic, but he's also a sociologist, and his research is sociological, not religious research. And um, he talks about talking about your faith as like a foreign language that you have to learn. You have to become comfortable with words and feelings that um, we don't always talk about. <clears throat> I think if you have the slide, you'll be able to read that better um, on your piece of paper. If you don't, there are more copies up here. Um, and I even, I'm going to put on my glasses here because I can't see. Um, so believe it or not, right before the pandemic, we were launching, well, we did, um, we had launched in the summer of 2019, Ministry Architects, who is a consulting company that f does a lot with churches, helping them um, 
revise and revisit their programs. When uh, the previous director of Children's Ministries left in 2019, I was invited to be the interim director and we kicked off a renovation team. And Ministry Architects did a survey then that 22 people completed um, and then the renovation team got working and did another survey, believe it or not, it just in the nick of time, and we had all the results in before we were sent home in March of 2020. And then we continued to meet for the next 18 months. And in the survey, I don't, um, what did parents love? We worship, music, the playground, how welcome and opening, open and welcoming we are the focus on children, and they did love Sunday school. Um, they want their kids to be connected to community, aware that God loves them, the connection between the Bible stories and how we live our lives and the values, um, and to have a commitment to service. The improvements that really people saw were in Sunday school. They wanted fourth and fifth graders to be engaged better, that there is a sense that kids hit fifth grade, they left Sunday school, and then they never came back. Um, they wanted more support in the classroom, both with lesson planning to be more straightforward, as well as with how to deal with kids in the classroom. Um, and then folks were really concerned about the transition. How do we help families at about five years old move from the grade hall, the We Worship service, to the NAVE service? And, um, and then again, the transition from youth to, um, or from children's ministry to youth ministry. Um, and then um, what would parents like more of? Community building, resources to work with kids at home, integrating kids into worship ministries and to have responsibilities here, um, and more outreach and service projects. Quest is the result of a lot of these recommendations that were made from the renovation team. Um, it is a program that, because we were still defining children as up to fifth grade, it was designed as a program for fourth and fifth graders. Um, you can see that the renovation team re recommended these things on the left more youth interaction, ministry worship, like service apprenticeship opportunities, engaging the kids in more discussion and less crafts in Sunday school, teaching the quest leaders to actually be present and listen to questions and not feel like they have the answers or have to have the answers, but to be open to wondering with the kids, um, to institute a journaling practice and to explore opportunities of connecting youth to, um, to children in a mentoring way, maybe through some of our like acolyting or other ways. And so Quest is now in its second year and next year it's gonna be instead of um, fourth and fifth, it's gonna be fifth and sixth. It seems like the sixth graders are a little lost in uh, the youth program and <clears throat> they're very different than eighth graders and so putting them all together is, challenging. Um, so we're going to make it just Quest. It was Quest 45. It's now Quest. It's fifth and sixth grade next year. So the cohort that's together now will be together next year. 
One of the things that we did to make it like a bridge to the youth program is that we have asked all four leaders to serve for the whole year in the class with the kids. And this is our second year doing that. Three of the teachers came back, including one who doesn't have young children. Um, and then we got a new fourth grade parent to join the two fifth grade parents this year. And um, I, it'll be interesting to me whether they're up for an, one more year or whether we'll be looking for new Quest leaders next year. I hope we'll get um, maybe one or two new folks to kids give the kids a chance to meet some more adults. Last year, they focused on the Bible. We used a curriculum called Manna and Mercy, which is sort of the story of God's love from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And they really, um, and then this year they're focused on the Book of Common Prayer and the sacraments like the Eucharist. And um, I am just barging forward with Quest planning the 9 a.m. service on May 21st. And um, I've gotten 10, uh, it's on the calendar. So we are inviting the fourth and fifth graders to learn about the Eucharist and then to write the prayers of the people, work with Anne to select the hymns, maybe even give a response to the lessons, i.e. a sermon. We'll, I, I'm still working with the clergy on where my leeway with, my, where my leeway is. <laughs> um, but I'm so excited that the kids are spending this first two months of the year really going to a deep dive to the Eucharist, and then they'll get to plan it, and that'll help them go even deeper. Um, the quest, the, they spend so much time talking in that class. They love to draw, so they all draw through the whole class, but they do a lot of talking, they ask a lot of questions, they do a lot of wondering, and some days are even reserved as big question days where they get to just ask questions. Um, and they ask the big ones. Um, and once a month, we do a service project with them as well. Last year, we tried it on a Sunday afternoon, and it was hard for folks to come. This year, we're working it into their um, uh, Sunday mornings. And we're also working on a ministry mentorship program where we're going to ask the worship ministries to identify adults who would be willing to take a fourth or fifth grader under their wing and learn how to be an usher or learn how to work the altar guild or the flower guild or we'll see. That's another thing. It'll probably launch in the, um, in the fall. Um, it's just <clears throat> a lot going on, so we're having trouble getting through everything. Um, Columba Crew is the program on Sunday morning for little kids ages three to third grade. They, um, you can see on the left what the recommendations were. We used to use a, a curriculum here called Weaving God's Promises. It is an amazing curriculum. I would love to go to a parochial school and teach this curriculum where I had the kids every single day. It is phenomenal. It is so well integrated and um, I love it. It's really hard to do on a weekly basis. It's a lot of stories. Some weeks have like three stories that you're supposed to be making connections between. And I was gonna do it this year and boil down the 40 page lesson into two pages for the leaders because as any of you who taught, who's taught that Weaving God's Promises, it's a lot to digest and figure out what is the most important thing to share and how do you make connections week to week. And so because we were looking for more consistency, 
um, and simplicity also for the leaders. I started to do Weaving God's Promises and Sophie Knight was helping me and I just couldn't do it. So over the pandemic, I read a book called Love First and I did this online with the kids the first year of the pandemic. Um, we, so this year we're focusing on enhanced training for the leaders, more ma classroom management strategies, and um, dealing with diverse learning styles and being really open to how you do things. Um, one of our parents, has a, she and her child are both neurodiverse and she's in a master's program around neurodiverse learning planning and um, she is helping us a lot. Basically, anything that's good for a kid who's neurodiverse is good for everybody. And so um, when teachers will say, how do I know when to use a strategy with a kid? Well, a kid shows up on Sunday morning and they're acting wild. They might be neurodiverse. They might also be hungry. Their little brother might have been throwing up all night. I mean, kids who aren't neurodiverse have days where they can't hold it together too. So these things work for everybody. Um, with the kids, we're really working on a consistency week to week and um, um, and connection because they, a lot of them have never been in a Sunday school class, a lot of them haven't seen each other in two years and so folks are coming back all the time and so people need to be reconnected all the time and so this year we're using Love First, it's, um, it's a, it was developed at a church in Falmouth, Massachusetts by a, a Sunday school director and her husband who's a priest. Um, it's simple. It uses um, the same Bible story most for like three or four weeks at a time. Um, and the kids get a chance to do it in drama. They get a chance to color it. They get a chance to do a craft. Um, it's not all crafts. Um, and in fact, one of the tenets of Love First is that you do the most important things, which is the connection and the storytelling. And if you run out of time, what can you leave go? The craft or the activity. The, the, if the kids are engaged in talking, then anything else can be jettisoned. So, and they have opening prayer and they have like a, they have a worship liturgy that they follow so that they are having the same rhythm. And the teachers change every eight weeks and so this rhythm, the same song, all that stuff helps the kids make the transition from one group of leaders to the next. Now one of my visions is that we would have leaders who would stick around for longer than eight weeks. It's really hard to, to do that. If we could have one leader who stayed for a semester or the whole year in each class, that would be super awesome because that would provide a lot of continuity for the kids and they would be able to feel more um, connected to, to what's going on. There is always at the bottom left here, there's always this conversation among formation people. Do you do a lectionary-based curriculum or do you do a not lectionary-based curriculum. So lectionary-based curriculum is that they would go downstairs during this hour and they would hear about the gospel and they would it would always be a different lesson every week. I'm leaning towards less lectionary because I feel like it's a lot of Bible stories to cram into a three-year-old and that a three or four-year-old or even a third grader needs time to process and reflect. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, did I forget anything? 
Yeah, and so there's lots of time for sharing and praying. Each week there's a prayer board. The kids can write what they're um, praying, what they, if there's anyone. And each week I see these pieces of paper, they're filled. In the three and fours, the adults write the prayers down. But the kids are starting to think about how they can talk to God and what's important to tell God. So, so this is just a little... Um, snapshot of all the things that kind of fall under the purview of the children's program. And it doesn't really even include any of the formation ideas that I have for including adults more actively and engaged with kids. Um, but there's baptisms, there's all these worship things, special events, and then of course Sunday school. I've worked really hard over the last two years to quit using the word Sunday school. I'm giving up. <laughs> People don't know what Columba Crew is. We, every week, we have one to five new families who walk through the door. I mean, we are thriving here, and it's, you know, I am just thrilled. But it's just, it's just not the fight I should be having right now. I am really trying not to say teacher. I'm trying to say leader. I think teacher in Sunday school implies that the adult knows everything, or the, and I know that a lot of adults feel like they have to know everything to be a leader, and so I am hoping that we can move away from, it's a chance to come, and sure, you might know more than they do, but you don't have to know everything, and you can just experience and share your faith in the moment with them. Um, so the next thing, well, I'll just tell you that the last thing about this is to make these things happen. I have written a list. This is a ministry architects thing when you're recruiting volunteers. What do you do? You line up all the things that people could do in your program. You get a whole list and you write job descriptions. I have, I need 52 leaders across the year for ages three to fifth grade. Next year, I'm going to need 56, or no, I'm going to need 52 plus 12 because the fourth graders are going to be on their own. Unless then, if we end up being able to split classes because we have so many kids, we used to have eight, one for each grade. And so you can multiply that by four. It's great to have four because then you don't have to arrange a substitute. You have one who can be the door greeter and one who can be the storyteller. Anyway, so you can see we could use 60 people across the year in Columba Crew and Quest. And then for all these other things, coordinators, I have a children's council of people who are helping me um, and that's another 36 people who could plan one event or lead one story time, but I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Anyway, there's these things happen, but I, I want to share the leadership. And this year, I'm so excited to have some parents on board with me, helping me, um, because I can't do it all. <laughs> and I can't, I have all these other ideas for things we could be doing, but I can't do everything um, as much as I want to. Um, and I couldn't do most of what I do without that guy over there, Joe McGurk. My husband, who schleps and rubs my back, <laughs> helps me pack. I'm leaving for two weeks today. Um, anyway, so what's on the horizon? Well, one of the things, some of those things that you saw as renovation team 
plans or recommendations. We, we just haven't been able to do because we need to have a onboard full-time youth minister, or yeah, youth minister. And Elliot was, like he was way into it and it was great and we were a great team. And then they both left me, Amy and Elliot, and I miss them both a lot. Um, I'm thrilled that Joshua is now the family ministries. Um, Juliana, she's waving at me. Um, I am thrilled that Joshua moved over into this role. He is now going to help coordinate all formation, which I think is great because we can start working together with the adult formation team and we can develop sort of our own vi our vision for what we want formation to be across the ages and how we can work on intergenerational things. And that intergenerational is really more than just like little kids and, and adults. I mean, there's, there's older folks who are, you know, have grandchildren and then there are people who are parenting young children or there are teenagers and small children. So intergenerational, it's not just people who are 70 and people who are five. It's like different groups within um, that age range. Um, Looking for ways to support parents in their own faith formation. Would love to start having parents gather during the formation hour down on the first floor and how can we, you know, is that just fellowship or do we offer a topic, 10 minutes of talking about the sermon or, you know, different things um, as well as building up their language to talk about their own faith with their kids. This fourth bullet is something I would love to do. I would love to have a godparent ministry. So many folks have godparents who live in California or who live in Florida or frankly even live in like Fairfax, Virginia. And it's hard. They don't come to church here. I would love us to have a godparent ministry of empty nesters and up who want to be godparents. It wouldn't take away from the godparents that the family, but it would be a family that would be the godparent and they would connect with the kids. Does anybody think that sounds interesting? Does anybody who, have, who has little kids think that would be cool? Does anybody who's a grandparent think that would be cool or nearly an empty nester to get to be a godparent and to know that when you walk in the door, your little godchild is going to come running over to see you because you're a special adult to them. Um, and then just a continuation of helping kids participate more in um, worship ministries, both through the apprenticeship, volunteering, and through po potentially changes to different ways that we do worship. Um, and, and the services that we're offering in the evenings, like on the special occasions, those are great places where kids can really participate. And Joshua is awesome in giving kids roles. Here, will you read this or will you do this? And so that sort of thing. We want kids to really feel like, you know, church can't happen unless I'm there because I need to serve coffee or I need to open the door or, you know, and so... We're trying to, we're hoping to build that across all ages. Um, once Mitchell is on board, Mitchell Felton is the new director of youth ministries. He graduates from seminary in June. He's going to go on SCAP and then he's going to take over as the, he's going to be ordained a deacon. <clears throat> and then be the youth minister. And I'm psyched so that the three of us can sit down and figure out kind of what's our new family ministry vision and where are we going. So these are just some ideas. Um, I'm gonna, I'm not doing, yeah, let's pass out these cards. Um, one of the things, so these are just um, some things that, um, 
might look around and be able to do. Um, and it doesn't have to be a big um, commitment. And I, you're probably going to start seeing at, um, don't pass out the black ones, those are different. Um, just one tap around? Um, yeah, or one every couple, yeah, one, one is good. Um, so I'm hoping, I think we're going to start putting these cards out at Wednesday night dinners just as conversation starters so people have a um, chance to talk to each other and maybe go a little deeper. Um, you can lead a Sunday school class. The sign up is out in the common. You don't ever have to have done it before. We're starting something new this time. You're going to start on February 5th, and then after the 11:15 service, I'm going to hold the training. What I'm going to do on February 5th is have an experienced leader leading the class so that the new group of leaders can get the flow and the feeling, and then go to training, and what they hear in training will make some sense because there'll be context. Um, Nave story time. At 9 o'clock, we take kids out of the nave into the choir room and they get their own liturgy of prayers and homily and um, the creed. I've been doing it myself, and Patty Ames had this problem too. If you do story time in the nave, you can't participate in We Worship. So I would love to have a ministry of storytellers. That's on my list. Storytellers and a coordinator of storytellers. And there is training, and there is a liturgy. The kids, you know, we've got kids in there who know what should come next, and they are not shy about telling you you forgot something. Um, so... Um, that's something, and that would be on a rotation that you could do whenever you wanted to, once every two months, once a month. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, all the way down to you don't want to be with kids at all. I desperately need administrative support, including managing a 20 foot by 20 foot supply closet that is filled with materials that need to be continually organized and cleaned up and put away, as well as setting out materials for the lessons each week. And so, again, in a before the pandemic, I had a team and one person came in once a month for two hours and they put things away and they pulled things out for each week's Sunday school. So. Um, those are just a few of the things that you can do, and you can look out for all the things that may be coming down the pike. Um, again, I'm I'm trying to provide leadership. I'm I'm the as as ministry architects told me, I'm the general contractor. <laughs> I need to know what all the little things are, but I can't do it all. And um, I am just really excited. We have a thriving ministry. We were, you know, when I started, we had a. a awesome foundation here. We had a place that loves kids. We had functioning Sunday school classes. And um, so we are, we are starting post-pandemic from a, from a solid foundation. And um, there's just more that we can do. And I'm excited. And I hope that I got you a little bit excited. Um, I'm just going to give you a taste of this. I, um, Molly handed out cards to everybody. Go find somebody, sit next to somebody, and just answer your card or answer their card um, and tell them something related to one of those two questions for like three minutes, and then we'll take questions.
Okay, would everybody like to wrap up and, or not, if you don't have questions, then keep talking. Hi, would everybody like to come back together and um, I don't know if anyone has questions. I'm kind of done, but if you want to keep talking to each other and not ask questions, that's cool too. What? Oh yeah, that's a good idea. And those, these, um, Kevin was saying that um, these cards would be good to put out on, in the common on Sunday morning or down on the first floor um, for people to talk about, talk to each other. These are the, this is the kid deck. There is a youth deck and an adult deck as well. Um, yeah, I want the cards back. I do want the cards back. Um, the diocese has created this sort of pathways to faith and these there, you can see the backs are different colored for different areas of faith. So they have sort of a, what does it look like if you're, have, if you're at this place in your faith and then what can you do at that place in the faith for each of these categories, so. <laughs> I know. See, we have to ease into it. I think, you know, for those of us I don't know about other denominations, but for those of us who were raised Episcopalian, Heather, how much God did you talk about in youth group? I mean, I went every week. I love those people, and we didn't really do a lot of talking about God or our faith. I think it was really um, foundational for me that I was super connected to that group, but we didn't talk about our relationship with Jesus very much. So, And if we did, we giggled. We did a lot of giggling. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. this isn't a question. It's working, but I just wanted. It to is say, working. Okay. Thank you to Katie. Um, I, it, 
first of all, just thank you for everything you've done over the past few years. And I'm probably speaking to um, the choir here, but I just wanted to put in a plug for how easy Katie makes it to be a Columbo Crew teacher. Um, I had done it under Patty Ames many times and have now um, done it with Katie, and it's so much easier, you, and you really don't have to know anything. <laughs> she puts it all together for you, um, and you can just walk in, and I just love doing it, and the new things that we're doing, which every time, which include um, mindfulness, and having the kids, you know, sit together. I was doing it in second and third graders who were so good at this, and it was just so enjoyable and so lovely. And so for anybody that hasn't done it lately, I just wanted to say just to sign up. Thank you. And I always tell the leaders that even though I've spelled it out for you, I'm always open to leaders who want to be creative. So as you look at the lesson and you want to do something different or you want to tell the story a different way, that is totally cool too. I'm not trying to stifle anybody's creativity or initiative. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it a little bit more straightforward. Hi, thanks for this. Um, can you talk about Wednesday nights and what that looks like to kind of engage as a family? There's like choir, there's the dinners, there's adult formation. Like, what does the timing and opportunities actually look like? Okay, Wednesday night is um, kind of starts at 3:45 on the playground, where families whose kids are in K through two meet for playing, and then Antipain takes them inside at. 4 o'clock to 4.45 for primary choir rehearsal. Um, in the fall, I was doing a story time from 4.45 to 5.30 with kids. I've taken, because I'm actually going to be gone for two weeks and for other reasons, I'm not doing that right now. But we will, for all ages, start Legos for Lent the Wednesday after Ash Wednesday. So from 4.45 to 5.45, kids will come to, with me. Um, I do need some parents to stay, not all, and they can... We tell a Bible story or some, last year we focused on the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Um, and then they respond to the story w by building Legos. And then they bring their Legos up here to this wall. And then on Sunday, the Legos are there for the congregation to see how the kids have responded to the story. Then dinner starts at 5 and goes to, they serve until, I think I just saw they serve until 6.45. Um, and... It is basically a free time. It's not, there's nothing structured about dinner time. It's just different groups of people sitting together. We have a lot of our water ministry guests who come. So if you have a desire to have your kids interact with a person who's experiencing homelessness um, or just someone who's really different than they are and lives in a different situation, um, parishioners and water ministry guests all sit together and um, share dinner. There's a bunch of running around. The kids run around in the common. Um, and then at 6.30, anybody in about third to sixth grade can go to sight singing with Ann Tim Payne and a couple of other adults who lead sight singing. And then at 7, it's... 6.30 is sight singing, and then 7 is choir for grades 3 to 12. They get split up, but it's 3 to 12. And your child doesn't have to come to sight singing to go to choir at 7. Um, and then at 8, 
they, the little kids ring handbells, and then at 8.15, the older kids who practice until 8.15, they ring handbells. I'm still kind of, my child just got back into this, so I'm just getting used to the schedule again. But um, the, the music program is fabulous, and Anne has, is, she's a wealth of knowledge about music and church history and why we do what we do, and I think uh, lots and lots of that comes through in her teaching and leading. And Diane Heath, who's the um, assistant music director, and she works with the teenagers, same, has been here for a long, long time. And um, So that's what's happening on Wednesday nights. Occasionally there are classes that are offered at 7 o'clock. There'll be a series of classes. Um, we decided in the summer when we decided to start dinners again, the staff decided we could show up for dinners on Wednesday night, but that to put on a whole program of faith formation activities, we wanted to see if people came to dinner first. So if someone had an idea for a class or there would be a great time to have a parent gathering around a topic, um, we can do that. We, um, we're definitely more open to that. Ludley's going to lead an inquirer's class, which is, you know, what is the Episcopal Church? What is God? How do you get involved? It's a three. He's going to do that for three weeks. Um, there are going to be small book groups around repent and repair during Lent, and at least some of those groups will meet on Wednesday nights. So there's not a huge slate of classes yet. There used, like in the Wayback days, there used to be like six offerings of classes on Wednesday nights. And there could be again. It's just we need to, you know, that has to kind of be, it has to bubble up organically. What do people want? Are they willing to come? And all that kind of thing. So um, that's, is that enough of an overview of Wednesday night? Okay. And we are just breaking even, so it can feel expensive, but because we're, right now we're sort of supporting water ministry guests with the co with everybody else's payments, we're, we're still kind of figuring out. And the caterers are amazing, and they like take food from other jobs, and they apply it to our Wednesday night dinners. I mean, they're focused on helping us keep the cost down, so. Are we done? Uh, we are just about done. Um, thank you for coming. Um, on behalf of the adult formation team, I just want to remind you about two upcoming forums. So next Sunday, we will host um, some folks from our master planning committee to give an update on the work that they have been doing. And then in two weeks, on the 29th, we're really excited to welcome um, new Ward 3 council member uh, Matt Furman to talk about issues of interest to him that are also um, of interest to folks at St. Columbus, including but not limited to affordable housing. So hopefully we'll see you um, for one or both of those as well. I'm around, so if you have questions, you can always ask me.